brave enough to share her embarrassing lip moments. <laughs> you graduated a teacher, but at that time you there were no jobs. No jobs. There was a teacher strike going on. Mm-hmm. Was the strike in in response to Prop 13? I don't remember. Okay. It it was like late 70s. But Prop 13 had recently passed which screwed the public educational uh-huh. system here because it froze property tax rates. Right. Um, so what did you do if there were no I, jobs? I applied for a job in the Catholic schools. Because there were no public school jobs. Mm-hmm. Got you. Okay. And, and boy, did I regret that. One. Why? <laughs> My first job teaching was at a, um, a school in Bayview Hunters Point uh-huh. that now is the Kip Academy. Mm-hmm. And those days it was St. Paul of the Shipwreck. Of the Shipwreck. hmm why did they think that was something? Well, to name? it was the nuns. There were Maltese. Uh-huh. If you know anything about Malta, yeah. Um, Saint island. Paul yeah. had a big shipwreck, and that's how he ended up on oh on the island of Malta. Okay. I don't know all the details, sure. Right? <laughs> sure. But it was the school was half Maltese and half black, that's... and the Maltese nuns mm-hmm. did not know how to deal with black kids at wow. all. Wow, mm. it was really. Black, I saw how that was my first experience with racism in education. I mean, like my first real experience because I was right in the midst of it. And I saw how the black kids in the school were treated. How did, what is the most like egregious memory that's Well, I remember things like them being told not to be so loud. Mm -hmm. And I came from a family where my mother was very loud. Yeah. You know? Mm I will, I remember like the nuns like reprimanding reprimanding the kids and they would stand there and look at the floor and the nuns would get like furious at them mm. saying look me in the eye mm. look me in the eye mm-hmm. and I began to understand that this was probably something that black kids were told not to look at mm-hmm. kids Mm-hmm. The adults in the eye mm-hmm. or something was a sign of respect right. or something. Definitely. So I think the black kids were like very confused mm-hmm. from what went on at home. Yeah. And what was going on at school. Were the Maltese children treated better than the black kids? I thought so. Mm-hmm. You know. What what were you teaching there? I taught third grade. Okay. How were what were your first couple of teaching years like? That was my only year there. I left at the end of that. Because it was so like like whoa, this kind Oh of my god, up. it was like that's what it was that experience that made me leave the Catholic Church. Oh, teaching there. Yeah. That was the last straw for you. Yeah. Really? I remember because at that time I was I couldn't make enough money to live off of, right? So I was teaching at St. Paul of the Shipwreck <laughs> and I was working on weekends at Dance Your Ass Off. Yeah. <laughs> which was a club, I think. Which it. was a dis- the like the first disco. Oh. In San Francisco, it was on the corner of um, Columbus 
and something I forget what did you, so you so the the wages as a teacher at that Catholic school were so miserably low you could oh, not support so yourself bad. they were so bad oh wow yeah and I had to work on weekends I couldn't make rent wow if you yeah. did not bartend or you right, were you a bartender okay. or a go-go dancer I was a, a waitress door person mm-hmm. coat check whatever they needed okay. that, but mostly a, um, a waitress mm. but um I didn't mind working on weekends because it was fun sure and you were young, you had the energy, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to drink on the job, sure. <laughs> smoke pot on the job, right. you know. You guys are paying me you to have this up. much fun. That's you know, I dated a lot of guys. You, you weren't know. married at this point? No, I wasn't. You Were you, were you still dating your boyfriend or, or like off and on, like, ah, I'm going to do my thing, you do your thing? You know? Um, No, I met my husband after Dan Shurasov, I believe. I don't know. I told you I don't have a good memory. <laughs> Because I was having too I, much fun. I get, I get all the years mixed up, you no, know? I mean, I, yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. So after you left that school, the, what did I you had do? Reli- I had the religion class taken away from me. At that school? Mm-hmm. Why? At St. Paul of the Shipwreck. Why? Because I questioned. To the children? Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. they, they just wanted you to have an authoritarian, yeah. absolutist. I yeah. See, I see, I see. And so they took my class away and gave it to Sister Silveria. Mm-hmm. And I took her social studies class, mm-hmm. and yeah. the, and that was how they were able to like keep maintain order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh? Did you get into public? Did you become a public school teacher the year after that when you left? No, what because there were no jobs. Still. Yeah. Huh? So I I I waitressed. Mm-hmm. I there used to be this restaurant called Zim's. Mm-hmm. There were like thirteen of them. Mm-hmm. I worked at all 13 of them. Mm. But in those days, when you worked as a waitress, they trained you for like two weeks. Sure. So they taught you to carry like seven plates on one arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. So I waitressed. um, I worked at a place on on Haight Street called Aardvarks, Mm -hmm. used clothing store. I think it's still there, right? I think it might still be there. It might still be there. I don't think it's called Aardvarks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I did whatever... You know, I cleaned houses, sure. you know, whatever I could find. Did you, so there were no jobs because the strike was still going or budgetary concerns? No, the but I think it was budgetary. They just weren't hiring people. And what happened too was we were getting this huge influx of immigrants. Mm. So bilingual, bilingual teachers uh-huh. were at a high demand uh-huh. and I didn't have the bilingual credential. You meaning you weren't certified as I bi- wasn't certified. Even though you were. Even though my first language was Spanish. Spanish. I see, I see. I so see. I eventually went back to San Francisco State and got my bilingual cross-cultural teaching credential. I see. And how, then... How many years between leaving the Catholic school and getting your credential to be able to get a job as a public school teacher? Like how, what was the... Well, in between, I did some subbing. Uh-huh. And so I did subbing, but I hated it because, you know, you can imagine how subs are treated. Yeah, right? no, not, yeah. yeah, not great. So I did subbing, and that's when I worked at a school called Argonne because a, a teacher flipped out, and so I took her class What do you mean few, flipped out? She just flipped out. Like Maddie she, was her name. I can't remember. Like she had a, like a psychotic break in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Did the, were the kids, like, harmed or scarred? Well, they would tell me stories about what Miss So-and-So did, and I was like, whoa. Like, what did they, what did they tell I you? I don't remember, okay. but I remember she was... I remember I, I was in a bungalow, mm-hmm. and I remember one... Um, 
a lot of the kids lived in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember we, I always had a class pet, right? Mm-hmm. We had a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. And so I would leave the guinea pig for the weekend with food and water and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And one morning I came in and the guinea pig was like running around the classroom. Mm. He had chewed up all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. There was guinea pig poop. And the classroom was a wreck. Uh-huh. And I'm like, to the, I said to the kids, you know, there wasn't any sign of anybody breaking in or yeah. anything. And I said to the kids, I don't know what happened. Like, you know, and the principal came in and one of the kids said, well, I was playing in the schoolyard and I saw Miss So-and-So go in. Oh, yeah. She, so even after she got dismissed or. She was black. Uh-huh. So I don't know how much of it was racism. I see. Projected uh-huh. at her uh-huh, uh-huh. or how much of it was really her mental, mental state. Illness. Oh, wow. So she, she might've been the one who came in and let the pig loose. She might've been, you know. Good grief. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you were subbing for a, a bit, mm-hmm. but then you finally got your own class, or you got appointed, or you joined the. Like, how does that? How did that work at that time? Um, I sort of got my own class because she was out for like three or four months. So you were the long term sub, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And uh, and then some teacher bumped me because she had seniority. Uh huh. Bumped and you meaning what? She got to take over the class oh okay okay yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um it was really sad it was really like it was really disheartening because i'd really built worked hard with this class loved the parents everybody i mean the parents rallied around me to Mm. try and keep me but seniority is seniority i see you know and so then after that then i started just waitressing and doing whatever i could to survive Mm -hmm. and um I didn't think I was a good teacher. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Insecurity. Mm. I don't know. I didn't think I was a good teacher, so I didn't think I was cut out for it. Mm -hmm. And one day, I ran into my principal. I had a really nice principal at that time. Mm -hmm. Carlos something or other. He'd come to school on his motorcycle and... Mm. He was the kind of principal the kids were always crawling on his back. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he, the kids loved him. Mm-hmm. And I remember running into him, and he asked me like, "Why aren't you teaching?" And I said, "Because I don't think I'm." And I just started crying and telling him sure. how I was a failure. Mm-hmm. And he actually said to me, <clears throat> "You have the potential for being one of the best teachers I've ever met." And he encouraged me to go back and get my bilingual credentials. Oh, okay, I see. It's... He was Mexicano. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. yeah. And so you did. I did. Uh huh. And then. And then I got hired. Um, at that time, it was called Hawthorne Elementary. Mm-hmm. We later on changed it to Cesar Chavez. Ah, okay. It was in the mission mm-hmm. on Shotwell and Twenty Second. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it weren't for my colleagues, mm-hmm. I probably would have left teaching. Why? But this principal was horrible, mm-hmm. and he only hired brand new teachers that didn't have tenure. So he could boss us around and have us uh, do his bidding, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so the whole school was full of young teachers. Mm-hmm. And we were all like, most of us were teachers of color, mm-hmm. you know, um, immigrants. Mm-hmm. And um, we would get together and have a beer after school. And we just started talking and we started sharing experiences. And we realized that the principal was an asshole mm. and that the school was racist mm. and that our kids deserved better. Uh-huh. And so we organized, we all joined the union uh-huh. and we decided we were going to get rid of him and turn the school into what it needed to be. Okay. Question. 
So you all were not unionized when you were you this this group of mostly young teachers of of color. Very in those days, we didn't have what's called agency fee. What you is didn't that? have to join the union. Oh, you didn't have to join you a union if you were an educator. Yeah. But you guys, when, once you guys started getting together, talking about this asshole principle. We started realizing what a union was for. Huh? You know, and how important a union was, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. And we actually had the union come in and talk to us, uh-huh. signed us all up. Which union? Uh, it was, at that time, it was the NEACTA. Because in those days... Teachers would vote on which union was going to represent them. It was either going to be AFT or NEA. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that contract, we'd vote again. And millions of dollars would be spent on teachers fighting teachers, mm. trying, to, trying to get their union. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. was just nuts. Now San Francisco UESF mm-hmm. is NEA and AFT. I see. They've merged. I see. What were some of the things that animated the young teacher's belief that you were working with at the time as as Cesar Travis, what were some of the things, the issues that animated your belief in, uh, in, or animated your usefulness, your use, your beneficial view of needing a union or, or why that was important? Well, I don't think, I think up until that time, we didn't understand what unions did. None of you? No. So who started that conversation? Or just came up? like It just came up. Uh-huh. I mean, one person probably started it. I don't know. I mean, we'd get together every Friday. We'd go to Las Guitarras, mm-hmm. and we have margaritas, That's and right. we went to this other place and drank beer. Mm-hmm. And it was this camaraderie of us getting together mm-hmm. and sharing our stories, mm-hmm. because up until that point, we'd each been isolated. Ah. We, we didn't have friends, mm-hmm. you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, and so it was through these conversations that we decided to go. We visited the union, or they came to our school, mm-hmm. and you know, and they basically said, "Well, if you're not union members, we can't help you." Ah, uh, so you guys were like, and okay, we're like, we "Well, okay, sign us up." Mm. Were you now? Was unionization? Help me understand. Was unionization? Did that happen school by school, district by district, teacher by teacher? Like, h- how did it work back then? I don't know, because I was only involved in my school politics at that time. What were some of the things that you guys thought a union would be beneficial for? To get this principle out. Why was he so horrible? Like, why was that such a, a, a driving factor? Oh, God. Because he didn't know how to run a school. What do you mean when you say He that? just had favorites, mm-hmm. and whoever did his bidding, mm-hmm. he didn't bother them. Mm-hmm. But he was he would harass us. What do you mean? He walk into our classrooms mm-hmm. and walk around while we're teaching mm-hmm. and and then write us up and saying that we had done this wrong or we had done that wrong. Mm-hmm. He badmouthed us to the parents. Mm. You know, um like he did not support you all. No, he didn't support us mm-hmm. and he was really an idiot. Uh- <laughs> Why do you think he was such a like a uniquely bad principal? He Looking was back. used by the district because he was Mexican. Oh, he was like a Mexican token. Mm-hmm. But they were using him to do what? Whatever they wanted to do in the school. I mean, the school was basically black and brown kids, and uh-huh. they didn't give a shit about our school. So they used him to cover for the fact that they didn't really yeah. care and want we to reach had- this? Population. We organized a group of parents as a result of all this, mm-hmm. and we marched in the rain mm-hmm. from 22nd and Shotwell mm-hmm. to the school board hey. meeting. Hey. 
Ooh. which at that time was on uh, Franklin, mm-hmm. right? No, it was on. Um, it wasn't on Franklin. It was on Van Ness. Mm-hmm. This is the old one. And so we organized. We got like a hundred parents to march with us. Wow! We marched down the street in the rain, mm. and we showed pictures mm-hmm. to the school board mm-hmm. of um, the conditions in our school. Mm-hmm. We showed them toilets that were smeared with shit. Ugh! Yeah. Um, none of the stalls, except for maybe one in the boys and girls bathrooms had doors on them. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, every classroom had boarded up windows. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. There were mice running around all over the school. You know, we had, we, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. we had to put buckets Mm -hmm. on rainy days in our classrooms to catch the leaks. Wow. That bad. Yeah. The heater, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't Mm. because it was a boiler room. Yeah. 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 You know? And so we had to bring in our own heaters. Wow. Yeah. We, we couldn't open when that's why this whole thing, this COVID thing is such a joke because there are so many schools in San Francisco where you can't open the windows. Yeah. Cause it, like one time I opened it after I was told not to open it mm-hmm. and it fell down to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had yeah, like yeah. no window. Wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. Because the, the wood was all like crumbling, uh-huh. you know, it uh-huh. was just, so we marched and we showed pictures and we had testimony. And I remember one board member putting down her dinner because, mm-hmm. you know, they would eat dinner yeah, yeah. during the, and she says, I can't eat my dinner. This is really Bitch, disgusting. Bitch, I got to work shit what are right. you talking like okay at least and now so you... we were on the news uh-huh. and guess what the next day mm-hmm. the school was full of people repairing the school i guess i bet yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. so it was and that was the beginning power. of the rise mm-hmm. and uh we went through what was called an inquisition huh and our principal Had was taken out uh-huh. because janelle he would he carried around, he wore a chain mm-hmm. with a razor blade on it. Excuse me? <laughs> now, you know what that's for, right? Cocaine? Yeah. Why was that allowed for so long? Wow. He had a pair of, that worked in the school, mm-hmm. a guy named Leon. He was really good looking. Mm-hmm. He was black. Mm-hmm. And him and Leon would like, at lunchtime, they would lock themselves up in the principal's Seriously. office. Seriously. And you could hear all this giggling and shuffling, and they both come out like really happy after because they were high. Or they just got finished fucking, or both. Probably both. <laughs> oh my god! It was unbelievable. It's, it's not unbelievable. What the fuck? Unless you participated, unless you were there, mm. you would find this really hard to believe. Yeah, of course. This sounds yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. But go ahead. I had. I taught kindergarten at those days. Mm. I had like 39 kids in my classroom. Mm -mm. How did you do it? And I had black and brown kids. Mm -hmm. And the black kids, the parents, you know, didn't want their kids hanging out with the brown kids. Mm -hmm. There was so much racism. Mm -hmm. And the Latino parents didn't want, Mm -hmm. you know. And I was teaching the black kids to learn to read in English. Mm -hmm. And I was teaching the brown kids how to learn to read in Spanish. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm. There was no curriculum. In those days, believe it or not, there was no curriculum. How? You just did your thing. You just, you were winging it. Yeah. Winging it. Wow. Wow. And I would have parents complaining all the time that their kid was sitting next to a brown kid or a black kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was nothing going on in the school mm-hmm. to try to remedy this, I to see. try to bring racial understanding, anything. It was wow. like, it was such a nightmare. Wow, 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 wow. But and if I hadn't been for my colleagues, I would have left. What about your colleagues made you want to stay? 
we were like militant. We were like, this shit has to stop. And we're the ones who are going to help yeah. change things. And we did. Mm. Yeah. How, and tell me in the other ways that you changed it. You guys marched in the rain with parents and you got the, you got the school, you got people to start paying attention to the condition of the physical, right. you know, building. Right. Right. What other things did you we all We declared change? war on the principal. Ah. He was not allowed to talk to us without... Uh, a union rep. A union rep. Mm-hmm. Um, we walked around with notepads to intimidate him, mm. you know, and when he'd say something to us, we'd say things like, could you repeat that, please? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to jot it yeah. down on your bitch We ass. learned our rights. Uh, uh, you know, uh. we met with the union like once a week. Mm-hmm. They would come in because they saw this as like a way to win, Yeah, you know, and uh, we, some of us even wore fatigues. Really? Yeah. In the school? To, to make it very clear that this is a mm-hmm. war that yeah. we're in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was union membership high across like no, all teachers was at one, that time? It was the one third thing. One third of the teachers belonged to the NEA. Mm-hmm. One third of the teachers belonged to the AFT. Mm-hmm. And one third were what we called the freeloaders. Who were not union members, but they right. benefited from. Yeah. And they would say to us, when you merge, we'll join. Why would they say that? To get us off their back. Oh, okay. And guess what? We merged. Mm-hmm. They didn't join. Really? That's why we ended up getting agency fee. What is agency fee? Agency fee fee means that you have to pay mm-hmm. a certain amount of money mm-hmm. to the union to cover their costs uh-huh. of representing you. And you're saying the freeloaders, they don't, they didn't have to pay that fee because they Nothing. were not members no. of the union. Right. But you, but because but not, they were benefiting from all the bargaining and everything uh, that was going on, I see, I the see. raises they never turned down a raise. Sure, of course not. Yeah, of course not. You know, mm. so so was was you guys getting militant to like push your terrible ass coke snorting fucking dipshit of a principal? Was that the beginning of your your tenure as like? a politicized teacher or mm-hmm. is that a fair way to describe yeah. you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's how I became politicized because mm-hmm. I really saw the inequities. I saw the racism. I saw how our school was totally neglected. Mm-hmm. I had substitute teacher. I had been a sub before that. Mm-hmm. And I had seen schools across town. that mm-hmm. were in much better shape. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, every classroom had a boarded up window. Can you explain educator union politics NSF to me because I feel like I've seen I've heard you allude to that before but mm-hmm. because I'm I have zero familiarity with it I don't understand it well I think a lot of things have gotten a lot better for teachers since we merged okay now Tell me what you mean. I told you we had the AFT and the NEA and every three years when the contract was up we'd fight to see which union represented, right? Why? Yes, you said that. But tell me why there was such a fight. Is it because there was so much money on the line because of the agency fees? Was it because there you guys no were a political force? There okay. was no agency fee. Uh-huh. It was, for us teachers, we were never going to get anywhere as, as long as teachers were fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And for the union, they wanted to represent. They wanted, you know, like there's a, I can't remember the numbers, but the NEA in the United States is like the the largest union Mm -hmm. that the United States has. I believe that. And um, their membership, I can't even give you the numbers, but it's probably at least double, at least double, if not triple, Mm -hmm. 
the membership of the AFT. Huh, okay. So I was on the NEA side. Uh Uh-huh. And so we began to realize as teachers that we were never going to get anywhere with this infighting because mm-hmm. that's what was keeping the district winning. Right? Sure. And so um, we formed a committee mm-hmm. with the NEA, and I was the chair of the committee. We called it the uh, the co- the merger committee mm-hmm. to merge the two unions. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine was on the uh, opposing side, mm-hmm. and so the two committees started meeting together. Mm-hmm. And after a period of like two years, we it was a huge deal mm-hmm. because the only other union at that time that had done that was United Teachers of Los Angeles, UTLA. Ah. Mm-hmm. But they have a different model than we, because when you join UTLA, you mm-hmm. don't have to join the AFT and the NEA. Mm-hmm. You can choose which one you have to join. Mm-hmm. It could be different now. I don't know because mm-hmm. I've been retired for a few years. Mm-hmm. But in San Francisco, when you join UESF, mm-hmm. you joined everything. You joined the union. Yeah. You joined the AFT and the NEA on the national scale. Uh-huh. You joined the CTA and the CFT on the state level. Gotcha. So you really are a member of like five unions. What were some of the major political battles that you were involved in as an educator during during your career as it related to the union? Well, the biggest one for me was getting rid of testing at kindergarten, yes. first grade. Mm-hmm. And I believe we got rid of it at second grade also. Standardized testing. Yeah. Because it's cruel when and When I was a kindergarten teacher, uh-huh. I had like 40 kids in my class. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit them all down mm-hmm. with standardized testing. Mm-mm. Where they would get this booklet and you would say to the kids, put your finger on the sun. Mm-hmm. Now look next to the sun. Mm-hmm. Do you see a flower? Mm-hmm. Do you see a leaf? Mm-hmm. Circle the leaf, mm-hmm. right? I had kids crying. I had kids sure. wetting their pants. Oh, God. I had kids asking for their moms. Ooh. I had one girl, I'll never forget her, mm-hmm. Barbara. Mm-hmm. I loved her dearly. I loved her spunk. She was African-American. Mm-hmm. I was the whole year I was feeding her and telling her how smart she was, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was going to, and then I sat her down for the standardized testing. Mm -hmm. She picked up her test, Mm -hmm. threw it across the room, called me a bitch Mm -hmm. and stormed out of the classroom. Cause she just wasn't having it. Homegirl was over. Yeah. Ooh. So it was, this is how stressful it was. Yes. Sure. And, and you all as teachers, you got the up, you got the front row seat to that. And so your union fought against. Yeah having to mandate this because we first got rid of kindergarten testing which when you look at it now it's ludicrous it's absurd because there's no validity in that testing that's right there's absolutely no validity that's right and there were questions on it like things that were like totally irrelevant like the two that stick out of my mind is the kids had to come up with the definition of an attic like the room in a house who has an attic in San Francisco? That's right. That's right. You don't even have a concept of that because right. you don't have them here. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then another question was about what are those Venus fly traps? Nobody ever sees those. I know. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Interesting. So those are just two blatant examples yeah. of how stupid the tests were. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you expect kids in San Francisco to know about addicts or Venus fly traps? And why is that necessary to yeah. try and prove some notion yeah. of intelligence? It was child abuse. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And so we were able to get rid of it in mm-hmm. kindergarten. And I was like, oh, I belong to the Kindergarten Teachers Association. And we went wild when we won that one. Mm-hmm. And then we worked hard to get rid of first grade. Mm-hmm. Because according to research, children should not be exposed to testing till at least 
third grade. Yeah, and even then, I'm sure it's probably yeah. dubious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Do you know how many kids just mark? Yeah. Just mark anything. Yeah, they that's don't right. care. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not going to stress myself so out. So how here. is that valid? Yeah, that's right. And that's not a and that's not an adequate in no one test or testing context is an is an adequate can be an adequate right. representative of right. the summation of what a child knows and how they're able right. to reproduce that and we also show. were testing kids that couldn't speak english in right. english right and, and so how these were, were smart well. kids yeah, but because right. they didn't know english they were stupid yeah that's right oh that's bullshit i see yeah what are the, what are some of the other big battles that you guys um fought? working conditions mm. you know um the big one that the union can't take responsibility for it. It was Delaney Easton. Mm -hmm. ah. She was the superintendent of schools at that time. Where? In California. Oh, okay. Yeah. The whole state. And so that one year, mm -hmm. from one year to the next, mm -hmm. I went from like 36 kids in my classroom mm -hmm. to 20. And that must have been, that must have felt like a dream. Why and were the classes so fucking full? Because California does not spend much money on, on education and Prop 13. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. imagine being in a room with 36 five-year-olds. Absolutely not. Nope. God bless you. You're babysitting. That's correct. You're not teaching. You Because you cannot. And on top of that, you got the black kids hating the Latino kids mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah, that's right. It was a nightmare. I have a question about Prop 13. If it's, it, if it's so apparent to i presume first the teachers its deleterious effect on the learning environment mm -hmm. and then the teachers are able to impress upon parents how it's terrible effect on the learning environment mm -hmm. how and why has it been able to persist for so long and without some some like popular pushback because i don't get i'm not from california so i don't understand well, let me why. ask you why don't we have medicare for all well same me, thing right damn yeah you're right yeah I, I, you're right yeah okay that's it's just that easy okay okay the like the department of education at the federal level isn't able to like step in to kind of jawbone something better because it just it just that just seems absurd look who are our, our um Education secretaries have been. Right. What's Arnie Duncan. I was about to say Arnie. Fuck that guy. I met him. He's so dumb. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. <laughs> he's a, he's a basketball player. What the fuck did he know right. about education? He actually came to San Francisco and had a meeting with us, and we all realized he was an idiot. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck that guy. Yeah. What about it? Is it just. I mean, Bill Bennett? Uh -huh. I mean. Yeah, it's like, yes. Yeah. Okay. During this time, were you, were you most political in the educational realm? Because, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. In fact, when I, when I retired, mm -hmm. there's this guy, um, that, um, I met through the various clubs mm -hmm. and he said something to me of like, where'd you come from? I haven't seen you around. I've never seen you anywhere. Blah, okay. blah, blah. You don't know me, You're sir. not political, you know, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And I'm like, because I was in the education world. Yeah, that's right. There's everybody, more than one way to all be political. There was a time when almost everybody knew who I was if you were a teacher. Sure. Because I served on the union board for 18 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I felt like the lone ranger, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> what 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 drove you to, to serve for that long on the union? The kids. Mm-hmm. 
I think there there really is something about being a classroom teacher and seeing the injustices, hmm. you know. But you get to a point where you realize that there's not much you can do within the confines of four walls. Sure. You have to, like, it's policy that has to ah, change. Ah. You know, you have to, like, vote people in, mm -hmm. you know. Mm. Meaning vote people in to the school board or the union or? All of it. I see. And, you know, traditionally in San Francisco, the school board has been made up of, like, white housewives. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they get a $500 stipend a year mm -hmm. right? or a month, right? Mm -hmm. You, if a you working have to person, work, can't, right? <laughs> you have to work or you have to be married to somebody who makes good money. Wow. Mm. And so, and they, and because they're. We have to change that. Yes, we do. The, meaning the compensation or the composition of the. The or composition both? or, well, if we change the compensation, then mm -hmm. the. More, it more. More people of color mm -hmm. more you know what i'm saying yeah 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 the oh, school the board of ed the board of supervisors used to be that way they get they got a stipend a of 500 dollars a month i don't think it was 500 i thought it i think it was more but but they I weren't think it was, fully salaried right i, I think see. it was um tom Mamiano that started that whole to ah. get them paid a decent he was Sally. he was an educator as well, right? Mm -hmm. Did you were you and he in the trenches together as union? Sort of. Members? I worked with his partner Tim Kerbo. Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. was my my. We worked together. We team taught, mm -hmm. and it's through Tim that I met Tom. I see. I yeah. see. I see. Nineteen seventy two, something like that. So you were like twenty two when you got like married. In my early twenties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what did he? What did he do for work? Whatever he was, you know. Um, he did some construction, mm -hmm. whatever he could. Oh, you know, okay. he didn't like school. Oh, okay. So he your was Jewish a husband. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was a laborer, and at that time, he became friends with my stepfather. Mm -hmm. And my stepfather had a shop for mm -hmm. repairing cars, mm -hmm. mechanic, and body work. Mm -hmm. And so Eddie learned a lot from him. Oh, okay. And eventually opened up his own shop. Oh, nice. But he was a musician. He really thought that never again. What? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Never again do I want to have anything to do with a musician. Why? Oh my God. Girl, <laughs> women were like throwing themselves all over him, and disrespecting me. Uh -huh. And he wouldn't say anything to them. Ooh. He'd like, Winnie, I can't, you know, like, you know, I need them. They're my followers. I'm like, fuck this shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God. How long were you guys together? Seven years. Okay, and then yeah. you were like, "If the if you want your ladies, you can have them." I ain't, yeah, I ain't doing he was a player. Know. Oh, okay, I got you. Good person, but, sure, but and it had nothing to do with me, Janelle. Sure, I totally sure. realized that. I realized he loved me and all the sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. But I couldn't put up with all the bullshit. Yeah, yeah it was so much not. bullshit. Okay, yeah. no, that's understandable. And he was so fucking macho. <laughs> I thought I liked macho until I married him. Right, and then you're like, yeah, I'm like, no, let's turn it give down me a gay that. boy any day. <laughs> You are so silly. Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many. Okay, so in terms of in terms of kind of ish modern day politics and your understanding of it, I could ask you eight million questions. But here are the questions that I would like to hear you answer. Mm -hmm. You you know you you've grown up here. You've lived here virtually all of your life. How would you to someone who is who only has like a a passing or um, or facile understanding of San Francisco p 
politics. How would you describe it to an outsider from your perspective? Well, it would be hard to describe because I wasn't political. Mm-hmm. I was an activist, mm-hmm. but more like a civil rights activist mm-hmm. without the politics. I see. And then I was when I was vol- involved in education, mm-hmm. the only political people I followed were the school board mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And so I really didn't know what was going on in the outer realm. I, I was like very isolated in my whole educational world. I see. I see. You know, it um I mean, I got involved in things like, you know, Okay, I'll admit it. I worked my ass off on Bill Clinton's campaign. Eh, I could be forgiven. It was a different you know, time. I worked my ass off on Obama's campaign. Sure. You know. Sure. And uh, would you describe your politics as? How would you have described your politics during those times? I was a neoliberal. Oh wow! I would think I was. Tell me what. Tell me what you mean by that. I believe that the Democratic Party mm-hmm. cared about us. Hmm. You know, I believed. And who was us? Working people? Yeah, working people, okay. people of color. Huh, huh, you huh. know. Why did you believe that? Because that was what was fed into me. Mm. That's you, be- I didn't you believe the marketing it. of it. Yeah, oh, I okay. probably I never thought about it, but probably I was okay with capitalism. Huh. You know? Even as a teacher, as an educator. Yeah. I didn't see how it affected education. Oh, okay. You didn't have yeah. a, your analysis didn't connect capitalism to the conditions that yeah. you were seeing in classroom. Yeah. I see, I see, I see. It wasn't until I got involved with the Bernie Kratz that I really realized, like, I'm a goddamn socialist. <laughs> what? Do you, you know? What do you mean? What do you mean? What was it? What was it that helped? Because bring I didn't you there? understand socialism. Mm. What did you? What do you think you understood of socialism before? I think I bought into the whole thing that you know lazy people didn't want to work and ah even know? after being in the classroom and seeing like how many how hard people's parents worked and they could still barely you know keep their head above water but i didn't have a label for it i see okay you know what i'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah. what but what are you so you bought into this sort of like meritocracy myth mm-hmm. you used to Mm-hmm. But then what about getting involved with the burning campaigns? Were you Well, mm-hmm. when I retired, I didn't I was so burned out on education politics. Uh-huh. I really was because mm-hmm. I felt like I was beating a dead horse. Uh-huh. I really mm-hmm. did. And I just really needed a break from it. Mm-hmm. And when when 45 got elected, mm-hmm. I was so depressed. Sure. I was just so depressed. And a lot of that depression came from I come from an Im- immigrant family. Yeah, I had yeah. A cousin that is in Peru and can never come back to the United mm, States, you know. Mm, mm. I've witnessed the unfairness of, sure. you know, like how he did everything he was supposed to do. And yeah. they, and because he was honest, they deported him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. should have lied. Yeah, yeah. You and know? he would have been able to say. Yeah. And um, what was the question? Like, what about, what about getting involved with Bernie Kratz okay. helped you bridge that? Or, or And what? so when I, mm-hmm. so I needed... To do something because I was retired mm-hmm. or part-time retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working two days a week. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, we're doomed. Hmm. There's no hope. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, I ended up in a Bernie Kratz meeting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I did that because mm-hmm. I was very pro-Bernie. Sure, sure, right? sure. In 2016? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was very pro-Bernie. But I wasn't part of the whole Bernie movement. Sure. You know, like I showed up on on street corners and work, but I wasn't a part of Mm -hmm. anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so after 45 one, I was so depressed Mm -hmm. 
And I ended up in a Bernie Crat meeting and I realized, wow, this room is full of people mm-hmm. that want the world to be a better place, mm-hmm. that understand, mm-hmm. you know, where we're at mm-hmm. and what we have to do. And then, you know, and then shortly after that, I joined Latino Democratic Club. Then I joined the Harvey Milk Club. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I didn't realize there were so many <laughs> people working for good things uh because you were so insulated in the in the politics of education right. almost exclusively right. that you weren't really exposed to the greater kind of uh the greater local political world right i see, I see these I see. groups were my oxygen ah and that helped you bring you out of your depression after trump was elected mm-hmm. mm. and it gave me hope i see I it see. gave me hope and it Help me understand that up until that point, I'd been a neoliberal. Hmm. What is what is your most embarrassing anecdote from being a neolib? Tell the Absolutely truth. loving Obama. <laughs> That's not that embarrassing. We we all we all we didn't know better that. But time. after eight years, I still loved him. Okay. Well, that is a little embarrassing. Okay. Do you have another example of an embarrassing neolib <laughs> memory? Well, I was. <laughs> I was very involved in the NEA mm-hmm. and I was invited to join the legislative committee for the whole country. Ah. So I was part, it was very prestigious yeah, at yeah, the yeah. time, right? And um, as a result of my membership in the legislative committee, I was made the contact to Nancy Pelosi. Oh boy. For the California Teachers Association. Mm-hmm. And so they would. Um, fly me out to DC like three, four times a year. Mm-hmm. And we would have our legislative meeting. Mm-hmm. We'd have our instructions. And then I'd go to Nancy's office mm-hmm. and tell her what we wanted from her. Yeah. And I can't believe how naive I was. Because? Because I thought she was great. Why did you think she was great? Because she was sweet. And because she seemed like she cared. Mm. And she really did seemed to be listening attentively uh, to me. I see, I see, I see. And it wasn't until I started reading up on her that I realized, like, she's not one of us. Hell no, she's not one yeah. of us. She's way too rich to be one of us. Yeah. And I have a tiny scintilla of an analysis of why, but I would like to hear from you how a Nancy Pelosi uh, get, gets to such a level of political prominence and how she's able to have such a lock on political power. How do you, what is your analysis of that? You know, I'm just as baffled as you are. Hmm. I belong to Latino Democratic Club, and I'm like, I just shut my mouth when I'm there because they adore her. <laughs> oh, do they really? Oh, okay. I don't know why. Yes. I really don't. Because what the hell has she ever done for Latinos? When? She could have like gone after DACA. She could yep. have really done something. Mm-hmm. She could have really made an impact on immigration. Yep. She never stuck her neck out for mm. Latinos as far as I'm concerned. I when don't... It's, it's ironic that the district she represents mm-hmm. wholly depends on the labor right. of super exploited mm-hmm. Latino people. Right, right. I, but I those are the people who don't vote either or donate to her campaign. Yeah. So maybe that's... Well... I'm not know, saying that makes it right. She does things like ripping up papers, yeah. which is theatrical. She, that that, she gets that clap. Yeah. And people interpret that as her being gutsy. Yeah. And it's like, 
She fucking gave Trump a space force. Give me a fucking break. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She voted for so much of his shit. Yeah, his appointments right. and right. I don't get it. I right. really don't get it. Right. And it's like I've just stopped arguing with my Latino friends, mm-hmm. you know, because you I, let them have their love for Pelosi. I'm not, there's nothing I can do sure. to convince them. But what, but why is it, why are we, what I'm trying to get at is why is it that we are in a situation where it seems like, now this is, maybe this is a moot point because she's hopefully knock on wood at the end of her career because she's fucking 80. But why is it that it seems like there's nothing anyone could do to oust her? You understand what I'm saying? Like how, yeah. how does they, how does that happen is what I'm asking you. I think money has a lot to do with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know, she controls the purse strings uh, for, for the every, Democratic yeah, the entire party. party. Yep. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it until Heyman told me, but she is the biggest, she is the biggest fundraiser, fundraiser. Yeah. politically in the country. Like be- right. bigger than Mitch. Right. Bigger than whoever the fuck else. Well, money breeds money, right? Yep. That's right. She's fucking rich. Yeah. So right. she can tap it into all her rich cronies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mean, to bidding. me, mm-hmm. That interview with her and her damn refrigerator. Jesus God. That it's was like the most insulting. The that was the most insulting That's thing. Right. That's right. I mean, people were starving. People were still starving. off her yeah. like, what, $20,000 refrigerator? Two of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all that fucking ice cream. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Insulting. I, I can't understand why people give her a pass. I, you know, it's the phenomena I will never understand. I don't get it. And, but you know what I do? I don't like it, but I, I I don't like it, but I do get it. What I've heard some people say, which I think is actually is a perfect parallel to like trying to understand like how a Mitch McConnell stays in power is what I've heard. Some people even leftists here say is like, you know, no, I don't like Pelosi, but you know, but she's got a lot of sway in mm-hmm. DC and like who would replace her. And that's, ex- that's exactly the same thing that like keeps a Mitch and it's just like the elite, right. the local power structure or the elites. It's like, because, because this person in, in this case is Pelosi has amassed so much political power. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well we have to kind of tie our wagons to her because she is powerful, even though that power is never or very rarely used to the benefit. Doesn't trickle down to yeah. us at all. That's right. So yeah. it's just like, that just that's so that's so curious. I wonder if she wasn't speaker if she would have been voted out. People oh, think she a has a lot of power because she's speaker mm-hmm. and they're afraid. See, I think people think that if we vote her out, mm-hmm. whoever we vote in is gonna be speaker. I don't think people mm-hmm. are sophisticated enough, oh. your average voter. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think they equate her uh-huh. to the speaker. Yeah. And so, like, when Shahid was running, yeah. it was like, well, I wouldn't have voted for Shahid to be a speaker, even though right. I voted for him. Yeah, sure, you know? sure. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, maybe that is how I some people... I think that might have something to do with it. Conceive of it. Yeah, yeah that might be part of it. And the whole incumbent thing. Uh-huh, that's right. What was the difference, or what was the change that happened from you being, like, a lover, an Obama-file, I love him? What was the... What was, talk me through that evolution from 28... 2008, sorry to 2016 like what was what was that journey like to be going from an obama person to a bernie person i think bernie kratz had a lot to do with it because Mm -hmm. you know talking to people like you Mm -hmm. and having them tell me what obama really did or didn't do Mm -hmm. like really opened my eyes ah i see i think i was gaslighted because 
I think one of the things I loved about him so much was how much he loved Michelle mm, and how okay. much he loved his daughters. I see, I see. And I loved that he would dance mm -hmm. and sing. He was charismatic. Yeah. He, he really was, was a charmer. and charming. Yes, a he was. A real charmer. Mm -hmm. And he seemed really intelligent. And, mm -hmm. and I loved the and way he... And sincere. He did seem right, sincere. He right. wasn't, but he seemed sincere. I think maybe he was sincere. And I think he was maybe limited. And I think he really believes the things that he believes. Which, what do you think he believes? Well, I think he thinks that war is necessary. Uh, yeah, I think he does believe that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that he believes that people's rights have to be suspended for the good of the country. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, that is... I think he really believes that. I think he does. And I think he really believed that he could work with Republicans. And I think that <laughs> was his big downfall. Okay. I mean, you're more charitable I mean, not, than him. Than... Now, now, I think now he sees the writing on the wall. Sure, sure, right? sure. But I think, I think, imagine his first year when he had the House and the Senate. Super majorities. Oh, my God. He could have run the table. And he had a mandate, but yeah. he ran down the clock. He wanted to be bipartisan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. When that was completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were a Bernie person in 2016. You, you being getting more involved with the political the progressive and lefty political clubs in here helped you get out of your a educational political bubble mm -hmm. and B get out of your funk when Trump won. Did you have, what was your analysis of why Trump won in 2016? Racism. That was it? Well, racism. And I do agree with Bernie that not everybody that vote, although if some people listening to this are going to crucify me no, for no, this, no. but I do believe that a lot of people that voted for him the first time yeah. weren't racists. That's why did, would people crucify you for that? That's like an obvious uh, take. They have. Oh, okay. They you have, have people who you know, come after you say that. Um, yeah. Just that he made that statement. People mm -hmm. interpret the statement as sure, being racist, sure. right? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people were hurting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I spent time in Kentucky. Yeah. I've never seen so many white people without teeth. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, it's poor. like they don't have dental care. Yeah. They they live in poverty. That's I mean, right. and I think it was a reaction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How do you understand things now? And like, are you, what what makes you first like nervous when you, when you look out going forward? Mm -hmm. We'll get to the whole okay. part. Well, but, I have two, yeah. two thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. Um, this country is very fickle politically. Mm -hmm. They'll forget about somebody like in a year. Mm -hmm. You know, like I see what was done to Tom Amiano. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm hoping that that's what will happen. Like the support for him will fizzle, but I doubt it. Yeah, okay. That's right. I'm saying there's yeah. two ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's going to be worse mm -hmm. as a citizen than mm -hmm. he was as president. Hmm. What do you mean when you say that? Well, I think he, he can say and do whatever the hell he wants now. Mm. He, well, can he, say, he was saying and doing whatever the hell he wanted before. Yeah, but he can, you know, he had the restraints of the secret serve. You know what I'm saying? I think. I see. I see. What I don't know that I agree, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. He, because he, though, though there are maybe there's a modicum of restraints. Like what comes to mind when you say restraints is that it seemed clear to me, I'm not saying this is the case, but it mm -hmm. seemed clear to me that on January 6th, when he, when hours later he gave that video, just like go home, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That seemed to me that he was 
he was coerced. Like that was not of his own volition making that video. So right. like there right. is some level of checks, right. but up until right. that moment, you know, he could pop off on Twitter whenever the fuck you want, you right. know, call into whoever that got Hannity on Fox to, mm-hmm. you know, say whatever he wants. So like he was pretty much allowed to say and do what he wants. There were, there were just, a, there were a modicum of restraints. Yeah. 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 But I think, I don't think we've seen the worst of Trump yet. I really, what do you mean when you say that? Um, I think he's going to be, well, first of all, he's going to go on this, like, uh, they tried to impeach me twice. Yep. And lost. And lost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, they impeached him, but they didn't convict twice. Right. He beat the chart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think he's going to make trouble in 2024. Mm -hmm. You think he's going to run again? I don't know if he's going to run, but he's going to control it. Mm, I see. I think he's going to run again. You think he'll run? Yeah. He's there. So there was some polling that came out in the last couple of weeks of, uh, registered Republicans, he is the front runner by a mile for who they want. Let's hope his health catches up to him. (laughs) I mean, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, keep on eating those McDonald's burgers. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Too bad he doesn't drink. Right. Well, right. We could have gotten lucky there. He deteriorate quickly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, So what is... I'm afraid one of his kids might run. Yeah, but Don Jr. is like number three. It's like number three or four in terms of like who they who they uh, want who they would like to support in 2024. Okay. But he doesn't have the charisma that his dad had. Like you can, he's just a he's just Trump a loud. Didn't rich have kid. charisma though. He did. He had something, but it wasn't charisma. He had he had, he had a. He wasn't touchy feely or any. No, no, no. Yeah. But he had that. So he had some star power to him. Like he yeah, knew how to work the yeah, press. Right. He knew how to say what people wanted to hear. Yeah. He knew how to like, you know make fun of the libs when they mm-hmm. would overblow mm-hmm. every little fucking thing to make, yeah. you know, people look at, you know, different, you know, ridiculous things like, mm-hmm. Oh, come on. You know what I mean? Like he had, he had some, he had some of that show busy star power. So maybe mm-hmm. charisma wasn't the right word to, mm-hmm. to, to, yeah. to, 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 to your point. What do you think is most likely to occur? Like in the next, like, let's say in the midterms and then 2024. Well, what I'm hoping Mm-hmm. Is that the Republican Party blows itself up? Really? I think it's going to be two segments, mm-hmm. don't you? No, not necessarily. I think that I think the where I think the Republican Party is much better at um, being a big tent party that absorbs its fringes into its mainstream better than the democrats like democrats are openly hostile to the Mm -hmm. in my opinion Mm -hmm. the democrats are openly hostile to the left and really don't make any gestures to fully bring them Mm -hmm. into the fold and kind of uh assimilate them whereas republicans absolutely do and that's how you're able to have and i'm using gross generalizations but that's how you're able to have you know rich old money people who use summer as a verb, you know, defending tax cuts, agitating for and defending tax cuts. And also, you know, you know, working class or blue collar oil rig workers who have to work for a living, you know, also like defending this Republican Mm -hmm. agenda. You know what I mean? Like they, so I don't think that it's inevitable that they're headed for some sort of civil war split It'll be interesting if Trump like starts his own political party. I don't think he will because I think he will kind of get his rocks off more on like being the puppet master within the Republican Party. But I I I highly doubt there's going to be like a civil war fracture in the Republican Party. 
I don't know. I think I think the ball is in Biden's court. If he doesn't do a good job, we're screwed. Yeah. The forgiving of college loans. Hello. First of all, what fucking rich people take out college loans? Thank you. Yes. They pay cash. That's right. Because they what? Have it. Yeah. Yeah. This thing about is he he I can't believe that those words come out of his mouth. Well, that's just the, that's just the lazy like excuse he's using for not doing it is because yeah. rich people can benefit. But it's just like, yeah, okay, some rich people would benefit, maybe. Like, but, but the majority rich people are going right. to send their kids to state colleges. Yeah, that's right. The, that's right. Or city colleges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a joke. It's yeah. it's super joke. Um, I think he. I think if they, I think if they continue down the real limp dick path that they're on, Mm -hmm. they're getting mopped. We're going to get screwed in 2022. And in 2024. Yeah. Cause Mm -hmm. it's like people, people aren't, what I think, I think the Democrats get hoist by their own petard because they really do think people are dumb. Yeah. And like are not can't make sense of what they see with their own two right. eyes. You understand? What I'm they saying? don't make good decisions. Yeah, that's right. I just don't understand. I just I don't. I know I'm not the smartest person in the world, but it just seems so obvious to me yeah. that if if Biden gets people's needs met, hello, he won't have to do anything else. That's right, and you won't have to worry about the midterms, yeah. or 2024 or 2028 for that matter. Like. You meet people's needs. You stem the bleeding from this unnecessary suffering, suffering that's yeah. going on, and you will be rewarded electorally. Yeah. But I think part of it, which I, this is what I've been thinking about, I think part of it is that I don't think that Democrats believe that they can win campaigning on reducing suffering. You understand what I'm saying? I think that in the demo, in the diseased liberal hive mind. They will be attacked for that from Republicans and people will believe Republican attacks instead of being able to soberly go to the American public in 2022 and say, you know, this was a terrible crisis. We're still reeling Mm -hmm. from it. You know, Donald Trump gave you $1,600, but we gave you $2,000 retroactively Mm -hmm. through the end of the crisis because, you know, you understand what I'm saying? People get it like that. People understand that. But people in Congress and the Senate are not suffering. Right. That's right. They don't know what suffering is. That's right. They don't understand. They don't have a concept of it. Except Bernie. Yeah, that's right. But he's not suffering either. No, right. He's not. But he's suffering watching other people suffer. That's right. What did you think going into into the 2020 primary? Did you what what did you think was what did you want to happen? What did you think was going to happen? Well, having worked on the Bernie campaign, like day and night mm-hmm. i really thought he stood a chance of winning me too because remember really... do you remember what the feeling was this time last year oh when God. i was fucking running a canvas in your living room oh just the electric God. energy like we got like we, we got this that's right the momentum yeah yeah and I, he won california he sure did because we busted our ass yeah. yeah that's right what was your understanding or analysis of what happened during the primary in 2020 <sighs> I don't know if I have an analysis, but I can tell you I hate Buttigieg. Yeah, that's right. I hate, <laughs> I hate that Amy woman. Oh, uh, the from Klobuchar. Minnesota. Yeah, Klobuchar. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. For some reason, I don't hate Kamala. I don't know really? why. I dislike her. Yeah, but I don't have because maybe I'm still holding out for some hope. Maybe because I 
She grew up in Oakland. Jesus Christ. Yeah, but she grew up in Oakland ostensibly understanding having but her parents a, seem to be more to the left than she her is. parents are her parents are were way to our well her dad is still alive yeah. like he is a marxist like he's yeah. way to her left but what he happened? also can't stand her <laughs> i don't know i don't i guess it is it's the best i can make sense of it is just her 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 naked ambition and desire to rise to power and right, do but we can't use that. that because men use that all the time. Right, know? I mean, and it also yeah. I don't care about your own personal um, right. uh, your ability to amass power as a as a personal individual if you're only going to use that to oppress and malign people that a lot of them look like you and mm-hmm. are from the same community you came from that to me that makes you the worst kind of fucking yeah. person yeah fuck you lady and i went to howard so i can say that like yeah please get out of my face not you i'm just yeah yeah talking to i know the air right now <laughs> i know but i guess i'm still holding out hoping mm-hmm. that she'll have like a, a an, an epiphany an hmm. awakening hmm. i don't know i don't know either but what okay so so we're here now we got we you know we got rat fucked in 2016 I personally think we got rat fucked in 2020. You know, the the libs are doing, you know, a victory lap, even though A, uh, Biden won by an ass hair. B, he had zero coattails. So now the majority of redistricting in this country is in the hands of Republicans. Uh, Razor thin margin in the Senate. Decreased margin, um, margin for the majority in the House. You know, the Obama alumni gang is getting back together and we know how fucking shitty, terrible they are. Like, what, how do you think about what people like you and I that, you know, and and other people that are of like mind, what do we need to be focusing our energies on and how do we need to think about moving through this moment, which is less than ideal for us because we have very few political um, comrades, if you will, like in, in anywhere near the levers of power, like mm-hmm. what do we need to be thinking about in your opinion, in order to advance an agenda that is, that benefits us all, which I think we need to remember that all, was it the incumbents or all the people that ran for Medicare for all? Yep. Minimum wage, mm-hmm. Green New Deal, all that. Mm-hmm. They won. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think we have to keep remembering that. Mm-hmm. Because I think if we can run more candidates like that, mm-hmm. the squad will grow. Okay. Now, in order to do that, is that going to require that all new candidates, similar to the squad, be people-powered? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. We, so we have to be prepared to... But what? Janelle, I can't work that hard anymore. What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, I'm getting older. Sure. I have like less energy. It's sure, sure, like, sure. but it's not on you. I'm saying for if if right. we're all going to share the burden, right? You're saying we have to identify. Is are you saying? But is need- it going to be the same people doing the ah, work again? I see. I mean, I threw down so hard yes, for Chessa. Yes, for Chessa. Yes, yes, and for Bernie, mm-hmm. and for John Avalos. Mm-hmm. I can't work at that pace anymore. Mm. And so are you saying pe- leftists, progressives that have been in these long fought, decades long battles, be it in education, be it in labor, be it in politics, you guys, you guys are desperate to find 
new young new blood. blood. Mm, yeah. I see, I see. That's why I'm excited about you and Josh mm. getting involved in the Bernie Kratz. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. New people. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I felt when I was a teacher. Hmm. Because almost everybody on the board was old. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I couldn't get, you know, it's so exciting to see all these young teachers getting involved. Mm. You know? Because mm-hmm. when I was really involved, we couldn't get them. In, we mm. couldn't get them. I see. I see. And I understand. Being a teacher is exhausting. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know? Very difficult. And so I think we really need to look at our youth, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to somehow start controlling some media, mm. you know, mm-hmm. because I really blame the media. Yeah, absolutely. You How know? can you not? Yeah. Yeah. And I have... I guess I have hope because mm-hmm. if I didn't have hope, then, you know, I just like drink and watch Netflix. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know. do, do you, so on this point of like grooming or bringing in new blood, young, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm younger than you, but I'm not mm-hmm. young. Like Josh is young. Right. Do right. you, what are, what are some of, how do you think about that recruitment effort? How do you think about what, what would be, what would maybe be some, um, some useful ways to, to like gin up that effort? It's really hard right now because of the pandemic. Sure. I really think a lot of what we lost mm-hmm. was because we could knock on doors. Like uh, we we lost to. momentum. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We did. Absolutely. And going to physical meetings gets you excited. That's right. You know, there's nothing that beats you. being in person right. with someone breast to breast. Right. That, there's nothing that beats that. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't believe how lazy I've gotten on these Zoom things. No, you know? you're not lazy. It's just fucking it's Zoom. It's fucking terrible. I know. It's exhausting. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But yet at the same time, I'm grateful for Zoom because, you know, people with kids, you sure. know, elderly, they can still get involved. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping that we can come up with some kind of hybrid model mm-hmm. when sure. we when we go back. Yeah. yeah. You know? Sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to, you know, we have to have hope. Of course. We have to have hope. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to pull out of you. What are some of, what is making up the contour of that hope? Even if it's not very specific. I've always believed Mm -hmm. that Mm one-on-one is the best strategy. Mm -hmm. Just talking to people like Mm one-on-one, having conversations like this. You know, I have a, I belong to a book club Mm -hmm. and we met last night and we, we read the book. um, So you want to talk about race? Mm -hmm. Have you read that book? Mm -hmm. Okay. It was written by a Nigerian Mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. Now I've been in this book club for like two years and there's a lot of white people in the book club Mm -hmm. and they're good people. Mm -hmm. They just don't have the experiences that you and I have. Sure. You know, and if you approach them in a, not a hostile way, mm-hmm. you can get them to change their minds, yeah, right? Sure, and sure. so a couple of white people last mm-hmm. night were were like very timid mm-hmm. in saying that the book really like kind of hurt their feelings, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that they felt like they'd always been like very open to diversity and had 
friends, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole, it was kind of embarrassing the way they, sure. they phrased it sure. because it's like, yeah, I have black friends too. You know what I'm <laughs> right, right. But I know in their heart, yeah, they, they mean meant well. well. Yeah. And so what I was thinking about for the rest of the night is like how we have to create spaces whereby these people can express their fears yeah. and they can express their feelings yeah. so that we can talk to them in a kind way yeah. to help them understand how they're coming across. Ah, uh, yes, yes. But we don't have that in place. That's right. And and, and in many ways, uh, social media makes that can make that worse yeah. because you like people want to score points to like look righteous right. or woke or whatever, and it's right. like I like I get it because these platforms are all wired to like make us you know f- chase after that little hit of serotonin when someone you know agrees with us or likes it or blah, blah blah. But it's like that's that's not that doesn't that doesn't help out with the cause of solidarity right. because now that's erecting a wall. And I'm not saying that you have to try and extend an olive branch to everybody. Somebody, some right. people are just some assholes. people are just assholes, that's and right. I have no desire. That's right to communicate. But there, with is, them. but there, are, I I think there are a non negligible amount of people. We have who, allies. Yeah, that's right. Who mean well yeah. and are still figuring it out. And no one is no one is a complete picture of themselves at any given time. Like right. we all learn if you're lucky you learn you unlearn right. you grow i'm not the same person right. i was yesterday that's right yeah we have to make room for dissent yeah that's right we do have to create spaces whereby people can be honest yeah and we don't judge them yeah and we dialogue with that's them that's right and we get them to at least hear our point of view that's right. without attacking that's them. right you don't automatically assume ill intent to justify you lashing out I think if people really knew the facts, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be so flustered, reactionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think, I don't know. I think, you know, things like your podcasts, oh, you know. Thank you. No, but they're little, but mm-hmm. how do we get people to like listen to it mm-hmm. and, and really digest the information? Mm-hmm. And um, communication is huge. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how to communicate in That's this right. country. Okay. You know, this is an unusual situation because you and I mm-hmm. are listening to each other yes. instead of planning in our head yes. what we're going to say. That's right. That's right. And that's I right. think in most conversation, that's what's happening. Yeah. People are there to defend their position. And nothing else. Not to see anybody else's position and yeah. perhaps change their mind. That's right. There's so much vitriol. Yes. Absolutely. And that's... I think a lot of people that might be involved just don't want to deal with it. Who do you think will be the next kind of like focal point around which like leftists or progressives like coalesce? Not that we need someone around which to coalesce, but that kind I think of it'll be happens. someone in the squad. Okay, like I'm a- thinking AOC, AOC but yeah, maybe not. Runner. Maybe okay. not. Okay, she's just amazing. Yeah, she's a powerhouse. She really. She's a talented is. politician. She's not. I don't think she's as clever as she well no recently no i'll take that back recently i think she's shown she's shown that she is even more adept politically than she was when she began Mm -hmm. because like that to me if we're talking about just the the texas fundraising thing her that capability i think is a is a subtle demonstration to party leaders that like 
I can go around you. Right. And I... I was very strategic on right. her part. That's right. I'm yeah. sure she did it out of the goodness of her heart. But it's also... But it was also a, a good you. strategy. Yeah, it's also like, yeah. I'm putting you on notice. Um, I, you know, I my bully pulpit is such mm-hmm. that I can, I can affect large moments, if right. you will, without, with or without you as a gatekeeper. Right. You know what I mean? And I right. think that that's... I think that's important to do because you have to show the Nancy Pelosi's of the world that you're not going to just suckle at her. I think Cory Booker's going to be another one like yes, that. Yes, I love Cory Booker. And Ilhan. <sighs> but the Muslim thing doesn't help her. It doesn't, but she also... I've been a little bit concerned of late regarding her rhetoric around the Uyghurs in China. That's, oh, that's a little hawkish. I haven't hawkish. been hearing it. Okay. Yeah, that's she's okay. kind of hawking some like... Okay. Some, um, some like, kind of like a Tulsi type thing. No, mm, I have to send you what I'm referencing that makes me okay. uneasy. But like, she's she's kind of referencing. She's using some talking points from like some organizations that don't mean the left well mm. with regard to like okay. the Uyghur thing. But she, but you know, if you if you kind of looked past that. Mm-hmm. You could do worse than Ilhan. And I mean, she's the, what is right. she? She's the progressive caucus chair or the head now. So I think so. But um, Corey, oh my God. Corey's a powerhouse. She's a badass. Look out world. Yeah, that's right. Her and, and if Nina. Nina gets Good in there. grief. Yeah. And right. you know, the other one I want to see um, getting involved in politics hmm. is, um, what's her name? Who? My mind. Sometimes. <laughs> that was late. It's, um. She was on Bernie's campaign. She's African American. She did his PR stuff. Oh, 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 uh, my girl. Um, uh, Can I think of her name? Uh, Brianna Joy Gray. Oh my mm-hmm. God, I mm-hmm. love that woman. Yes, she's she's yeah. excellent. Have you do you listen to her podcast? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. She's very she's very sharp and yeah. she's very principled. It's not easy to be in her position. I don't think in in the well, fact- she said things when they weren't popular. That's right. She says yeah. things. She takes. She's publicly. She's publicly on the record which mean about a lot of things that are maybe unpopular at the time or the way she um, kind of antagonizes some establishment mm-hmm. people, which I think is necessary. Mm-hmm. But that like, you know, that puts a, that puts a, a target on her head for like just public harassment and right. debasement right. and blah, blah, blah. But she, she, she doesn't flinch. No. She's very consistent. She's not apologetic. Yeah. She's not apologetic. Yeah. And that's not easy to do as a young black, which, and I presume she has like, Student loan. You know what I mean? She could have easily been bought off mm-hmm. and, you know, and turned into some gross right. liberal right. piece of shit. But she stood her ground and remained her own woman. And I and my head is off to her for that. And I think there's more to come, more yeah. people to come. Yeah, I think. You know, are. I, I think, think mm. I'm excited about them. You know, yeah. it's you know, we need patience. But the problem is we're the state of the world. Yeah, that's right. Has no patience. That's right. right. Now. That's right. All right, you heard it. Some of us have to step up so we can give Winnie a break. So, chop chop. One of the up and comers that she name checked, Josh has graced what's left to do with his presence, and you're not going to want to miss that one. Okie dokie, you know the deal. Please subscribe and tell a friend about the zany and fascinating operation we got going over here. Okay, see you next week.